So there's also a questionnaire coming around. Um, since we have you guys for three hours, we figure we'll spend the first hour just getting this out of the way, and then we'll focus on the rest of the presentation topics. So, Phil, they're all yours. Do they just fill them out? Okay. The prayer cards are for you guys to keep. And there's also cards. Bob, did you explain what the cards are for? So the, no, the prayer cards are from Nepo. Prayer cards are from Nepo. Oh, sorry. Prayer cards are from Nepo. Uh, Jane uh, Toad asked us to pass them out to you and asked that you would pray. There's four boys. You've gotten a card of one of four boys from the, from the home. Um, and she asked that you would pray for them. There's also, if you're interested in corresponding, there's, uh, um, there's these little flyers that I have out front that have an email address that you can send the boy an email and it would get to him. Uh, it would get translated from English to Spanish and then, or Portuguese and then get sent to them. So if you want that, you can pick it up afterwards. The note cards, we're going to ask you to think of a goal that you want to achieve in the next five years. A five years out goal for yourself. It can be whatever, as long as you're serious. I know some of you are going to be stupid about it, but most of you are probably going to be serious. So uh, write a goal. No one's going to see it. It's for yourself. I've got pens if you need them, but I want them back because they're my drawing pens. <laughs> so again, on the card that you have, the postcard, write a goal that you would like to see yourself in five years. And you can't use I want a Porsche because I use that one already. I mean, so I see a lot write your goal there. five years out from now. Yeah, on the, on the card. Yep. And that's for you to, to look at. You're going to keep that. We're not going to collect those. Write your name, your social security number. Did I number. say that I want my pens back? Hang your did, pens did back. Did I catch that? Can you guys share? I've got. And, and while you guys are writing those, I know a lot of distractions, but you guys. Okay, so um, I'm, I have one more pen. Who's the lucky person? You guys, you three, share, and then pass them back. Um, for you guys, you might as well move up because we're going to make you move up. So pick your pick one you want to move. <laughs> Did everyone get a prayer card? Raise your hand if you didn't get one. Raise your hand if you didn't get a prayer card. Do we have more, Bob? Yes. So Bob said there's one of four boys that you're going to get to pray for them. And I'll just give you a little story. About three and a half years ago, I prayed for a year for two girls who had issues, one cancer and one uh, a disease. I prayed for them. It was the first time I ever thought about praying someone for a year. Okay. I went to one of the girls' baptisms this year, and I found out the same girl got baptized on the same day in another part of the country. So... Prayer does work, even if it's just one time, even if it's for prayer for a whole year, but God hears prayer and he honors it. So please remember that. Don't just toss it. Don't floss your teeth with it. Um, consider it. Thanks. You guys got three minutes left on the survey. Is it a hard survey? I didn't even see one of these things. Any more prayer cards? Choice? No, it's just... Okay. The answer to number four is C, on the prayer cards? on the survey. Do you guys have a pen? Do you need one? You of course had to pick the middle. 
you guys mind sharing? And oh, no, anybody else? You need one? That's you your goal. Sure. Yeah, again, postcard is for your goal. If you have a pen, throw it up. I have good health insurance if it hits me. You need a pen? Good. Anybody Phil? else need one? Phil? There go. There's some people here that didn't get the questionnaire. Anybody else need a writing utensil? How about a note card? Who didn't get a note card? Of choice. There you go. I want my pens back. What do you guys have your hands up for? <laughs> you didn't get anything. Note card? Bob, we need some note cards to the right. Yeah, note cards. Note cards? I'm waiting till pens. I'm waiting for people to throw note them cards? up at me. Um, no. Note cards? You keep them for yourself. Note cards? Pen is done. Pen? There you go. Distribute, Austin. Who else um, needs yeah, a pen? Else is pick those up. Oh, we got more pens. Just throw them. I'll, I'll collect. Um, I'm not picking them up. I'm not picking them up. You need a note card? Where'd it go? More pens? You done? Good. Who else needs pen? Postcards, again, the 3 by 5 postcards, a goal for five years out from now. Where do you see yourself accomplishing something, or where do you see yourself in five years? There you go. That's not good enough. There you go. Anybody else done with the pens? Prayer card or note cards? Okay, Philip, you're going to really worry me. These are to write your goal. Oh, okay. I hit some kid who I don't know. Okay. I your goal. Anybody else have used pens that are returned back? Well, thanks for coming out. Hope you enjoyed the forum. <laughs> What's that? B-A-P-T period. We like, yeah, we, you, you want to shorten it as much as you can. Is anybody done with their pen? I'd like to, somebody else, others need pens. Who needs a pen? Pen? Who's done with a pen and hasn't had the courage Good to catch. throw it at me? Maybe, maybe we'll to after, then you'll want to throw it at me. Thank you. In index card. Bob, index card, aisle four. Who needs a pen? What's that? So all of you guys here. Those you're going to pass. The surveys pass back to the you center aisle. Move up into the corner over there. Say that again. C-O-L-L-E-G-E. -L -L -E -E. Um, we're going to make you move. So we're going to make you move. Might as well go to the front over there because you're going to eventually. Um, all of you guys need to move into the, the side over there. Surveys? Completed surveys? <laughs> Anybody done with their surveys? I'll take you guys it. all need to move into the side over here? No. The card you keep for yourself, that's a reminder. Woo! Okay. No. Thank you. Surveys? Here, Phil. No. Thank you. Seriously, because we're going to make you move to the Okay, side. let's keep it down so we can get this sufficiently completed. You need pens still? Cards, note cards. Bob, do we have any more note cards? Oh, yes. Raise your hand if you need a note card. Do me a favor. Raise your hand back. if you need a note card. There's some new people who came in here. Raise your hand if you need a note card, which you will be placing a five-year goal on. Long walk on the beach, freedom for my parents, Passes. whatever you would like. 
can wish away. And then note card? you guys pass them back, because of course you guys Raise your hand if you need a note middle. card to write a goal on. Uh, he's going to collect them over here. Survey? I can collect surveys too. Or hand them to the middle. Pass them. Uh, are there any extra pens? Surveys, good. Very good. You guys play nice, thank you. Yes, you need a card? Are people... Um, you need a postcard? card? You need a postcard? Are you guys done okay. with your Let me grab surveys? Done with, anybody else have their survey that's... Does anybody else need postcard? Note cards. Oh, man. One, two, three, four, five. No, the postcards, those are for later. But you'll get that, you'll get that. Um, someone, survey. there you go. Are you collecting surveys? You need... Oh, index card? Okay, and you? No. You can okay, if you want good. to. So who's done with my pens? Can you throw them forward gently? <laughs> Index card. You need one? You need one? Are you done with the survey? Okay. Thank you. Pencils? You, you, can, put, you can put more than one, but at least one. A goal for five years. Where do you see yourself in five years? Where would you like to be in five years? Are we handing these No. Where do you see yourself? Pen. You need a pen? Are you good? Anybody else need a pen or a note card? Note card. You need a pen. You can just take, take, take. My goodness. How many? There you go. Note cards? You guys good? Note cards, pens, pencils. That was close. Yes. Hold on. Where's the cap, guys? Come on. Come on. That's uncalled for. Where's the green cap? Did it have the cap on it? Make me sick. Where did this thing go? It better not have gone to the vents. Okay, so who's done with the surveys that needs to hand them back? Okay. Pass them to the sides. Who has pens that they don't need anymore? You can hand them back. Okay, who else had pens that were given to them? We're all Christians here. We should hand the pens back, okay? We don't want to change the topic of this forum. Okay. Thank you. You guys good? Pens? You need a pen? Okay, we want it back. Split them up. Okay, everyone who's in the center section, we love you guys. Listen closely. We need you to the wings. Pick a side. Everybody in the wings, all the way to the end. This is the good-looking side? Yeah. That's, That's the, the smart really good-looking side. Good side. <laughs> <laughs> all the way to the end. Smart and good looks. I, I have to add that in there. Thank you. <laughs> smart and good looks, just looks. That cannot be one of your five-year goals. All the way, you guys move all the way to the end. All the way to the end. And stay in the front, stay in the front. I don't want people working all the way back. There's plenty of room up front. 
There's five of these, and we have extras if we need to peel them off. So There's five in each group. Yeah, and if you need extras, you can rip them as you go. Okay. Is everybody in? Okay. Oh, well, yeah. Can you guys slide in a little bit more? I see there's a, if there's another, if there's a seat that's empty. Okay. There shouldn't be any seats that are empty. You hold this. You hold this. Hold. Okay. Do not touch. Do not bite. Do not chew. So listen closely. Listen closely. This side. Yeah. Okay. Keep them. And you need this. Look at me, everybody look at me. I'm gonna be the dad. Everybody got eyes on you. Okay, now this one. This is oh, one. it's an extra one? Oh. You guys gotta pick a leader. You guys okay, need to pick uh, a leader. This is group three. You guys are gonna pick a leader. Group four. You guys all have got one? A leader. Did you get one? Group five. You can be your own group too. Okay. I'm gonna get six. Any of you guys can, you get the idea? Seven, eight, and nine. I'll tell you what to. I'll tell you what to do with the car. You guys need this. Just hold on to that, okay? No, no, no. You're supposed to hold on to it. Don't do anything. Bring them all back. Just hold on. There should be five. Bring them all back. Just hold on to them. Did you guys get those? Okay, sweetness. Okay, we're all distributed. Should we start with a prayer? Yeah, go for it, Bob. Okay, can I have your attention? The good looking and the good looking plus smart. Um, we're gonna have to start with a prayer. So uh, let's all quiet down. Let's bow our heads to pray. Let's let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you so much for uh, giving us the chance to get together. We pray that that the time that we have together right now um, would help shape us, Father. That your Spirit would be present. That you would work um, among the young people. That you would work through Adrian and me, uh, Father. That um, that all of us would be shaped, molded into a more accurate reflection of who you are and who you want us to be. Lord, uh, help us to consider uh, some long-term uh, plans uh, and not just to think in the short term. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we thank everybody for being here. Um, Bob and I were asked to do this because we were the only ones who had rabies shots. So um, we're, we're signed off to work with the teens. You guys have your whole life ahead of you. There are a ton of choices that you're going to be making in the next year, in the next two years, in the next five years, like you were writing your goal. But the decision is, is where am I going? What happens if in five years from now I look at my goal and it's like, this is not where I want it to be? Or I reached my goal and I'm like, yeah, this, this was a poor goal to write. And so you guys are going through all these things in your mind, and we're sort of here to help you today to understand how to know where you're going, and how you're going to get there. So, for those of you who have the five post-it notes that are colored, we got to do a little group activity. So every row is a team, okay? And you have five post-it notes. Hear me out. Don't get all wishy-washy, squirmy. Okay? This is the thing. We're going to look at two case studies to start off, okay? These are real-life examples but because of anonymity, we don't want to jeopardize the person's relationship with myself. Um, so what you're going to do is you're going to take these and you're going to write five steps, and I'll discuss it a little bit later. So hold on to that. The team keepers, you guys have it, and we're going to discuss a little something-something. Okay, so...
case study number one. There's a gentleman named Mario. Okay? Nice guy. So, his past. He's been a Christian for about a year. Okay? He's just recently engaged. He's excited. Okay? And he's got a good technical career, a good job. He's very outgoing. And he's very active in church. Okay? Great guy. 30 years later, 30 years later, he's now separated. He has no job. He keeps to himself. And he's not involved in church. Okay? So my group, good looking and wise, we're going to be writing five steps in your group, or five decisions that you think this person made to get from step A to step B. Okay? You can be as random or as serious, pick a point in their life, maybe he married someone bad, maybe he just lost his job, or whatever it is. Write five steps, and then on your boards, you have step one, two, three. You come up, put the step, grab some candy. You are Okay. That's case study number one. So Luigi group. We're Luigi. They're Mario. <laughs> okay. Listen. Case study number two. We'll call him Luigi. So Luigi's a little bit uncertain. See? He's in a similar situation, similar age group as Mario was, but he's not a Christian. Okay? also single and he enjoys being single. Okay? He sort of had a rough start out of school. His parents made him work, but he decided to go to community college and take some life classes. He's sort of friendly, doesn't get scared, and he attends church. He goes once in a while. Fifteen years later, Luigi is now a Christian. He's married with kids. Okay, so we have a certain set time. Please be efficient. Write down the five steps and then slap them up on the board, step one to two, and then we'll split off in our groups accordingly. Great job. You guys did amazingly well. We originally had this planned for two separate groups and then they decided to slam you guys all into one. So we did our best. You guys did really well. Did you learn something from it? Just this initial exercise? This doesn't, isn't a good sign. Um, Okay, Bob. Luigi's going first? Luigi goes first. Okay, so I picked um, one from each section. There were some good ones, and there were some obviously silly ones, um, as always. But uh, there's two groups wrote the same thing for step one. Got into a car accident. Uh, one group said during, on his way to camp. Uh, another one said got into a car accident during community college, realized the fragility of life, and came to Christ. Uh, remember, this person didn't know the Lord. Step two is accepted the call of God and got baptized. Step three, worked for Werner and became a mechanic. <laughs> Love it. The irony in that is when you think about how things go sometimes, and then you look back at life, and you're like, wow, because of who I knew, 
I got an opportunity that led to something else. You know, we could have said work for Werner, became a mechanic, and then said accepts the call of God because he worked for Werner and heard about the gospel story working for Werner, right? Um, step four, um, meets a girl on a mission trip and gets married. There's a guy. <laughs> I'm assuming. Uh, step five, scary, Adrian. This is you, man. Became a minister and then an elder. <laughs> Yay. Oh, bad omen. <laughs> bad sign. <laughs> Okay, for Mario, um, you guys had some good ones. It's too hard to narrow it down to five. Okay, first one that I felt was good, rushed into marriage, right? He was only a Christian for a year and then just jumped into a relationship without even fully establishing his relationship with God. Um, Mario then had his plumbing license revoked after he refused to pay dues and attend training. Mario, <laughs> you've you got to stay involved. You've got a wife you know, and kids to feed. Okay, so after he got his license revoked, this came up a lot. He got divorced because of his alcohol addiction. Well, after he lost his job, he didn't have much to do, so he started drinking alcohol. And, um, yeah, his wife didn't put up with it. Some of us know that more than others might ever. And then after a while, because he's divorced, he stops attending church, comes once in a while, but he then begins to be embarrassed with his life. He's ashamed. He used to be a somebody. He had it all. He had kids, a nice job, and now he's embarrassed. So because of this, he's completely depressed. He stops going to church, moves far away from his family and friends or any influence, and so writes his life. So some, anybody identify any common themes or just thoughts as we've been sharing between when looking at Mario, looking at Luigi, um, anything jump out at you that's similar? Shout it out. <laughs> so the irony in that is when you think of families, and you guys are at an age where in a lot of cases your families might still be young unless you're the youngest in a large family, is think about, think about cousins or aunts and uncles in your case. Do you have an uncle that's like the black sheep and an uncle that's not? And do you ever wonder how one got to where he is and the other got to where he is? So it's funny that they're brothers, but the reality is like really close to home, ironically. That's, so it's a great point. And they grew up the same. They grew up the same, right? They were brothers. So how does one end up good and one end up bad? Like in a really bad spot, not necessarily bad. So faith plays an active role. So are you um, answering my question <laughs> originally? So can you explain where you're, th where you're thinking with that? Well, I mean, church kind of played an active role. One eventually gave his life to Christ, but then the other stopped going to church and just kind of fell into a depression. Good. So that was, that was good too, right? One played an active role, right? Mario was active, and then he totally got disconnected. So just being active in church doesn't mean that that'll make all your problems go away. Any other similarities or commonalities or observations if we try to be a little serious about it? So one had different friend circles that influenced their behaviors. Outside, sorry, and I'm trying not to fall as I go walk backwards <laughs> down the steps. So <laughs> would not be good. Has anybody ever worked in a construction site or in a machine shop or any type of environment like that? Or heard language?
from these type of people or hear what they do after work, right? Do you think that leads to a positive lifestyle if you associate with the main general frame of those kind of environments? So it's a great, great point. It wasn't one of the steps that was listed as far as, um, like, specifically. But the idea of Werner, working with Werner, is the idea of a circle of friends, of the, who, I, who I'm accidentally surrounded with or intentionally surround myself with. And Mario's working with a bunch of plumbers who like to drink beer after work and watch, you know, Bowser getting whooped by you toadstool. Know, I mean, and alcohol is dangerous. Um, drugs, on a lot of levels, duh. That's kind of an obvious statement. But let me give you an example. I know somebody really close to me who part of their job in Europe was uh, to uh, you wine and dine, your clients. So the person was in a position where they had to win work um, in Europe in a company. And they uh, would have to, you know, clients would come and they'd go out for, for dinner after work with clients. And part of the culture was to Schlievowitz. For those of you that know what that means, it's, you know, it's, it's basically Serbian, gasoline that people drink. Serbian gasoline that you drink. Um, <laughs> So they, he would have, in a locked cabinet in his office, he would have Schlievowitz, and he would have different types of liquor, and he would serve it to his clients. And, of course, you drink with them, and then you'd go out for dinner with them. And you drink with them there, too. And it leads to a behavior and a pattern that later, as things get a little bit rougher, you start to cope, it becomes alcoholism. And so the person that I know that's dear to me um, had that issue. Right? And so it's, it's not just the plumber. Yeah. Any others? This was, uh, the idea behind this one was that it would be a little lighthearted. Yeah. Um, we wanted to, to jump into some scripture, too, and look at a, at a case study. Uh, so if you would open your Bibles. Or power up your phones. Sorry, we just have to make sure we catch up a little bit of time. So Genesis 13, Genesis right? 13. Uh, who, who has their Bibles and is willing to read? Um, can kind of read loudly. Can I have a We hand? can give him the microphone. I'll give you a mic. We'll give you a mic. I'll pick in the people in the back. <laughs> we got someone up. We got a volunteer up here. Where? He's hopped up on sugar. Where is he? <laughs> right here. All right, perfect. So Genesis 13, verses 6 through 10. All right. Okay. But Abraham said unto Sarah... Behold, uh, oh, 16, sorry about that. 13? That's a little too much. <laughs> and the land was not able to bear them, that they might dwell together, for their, substance, for their substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there was a strife between the, herd, between the herdmen of Abraham's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled uh, then in that land. But Abraham said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between that, between me and thee, or between thy herdmen, and thy, uh, and thy, between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we be brethren. Is not the whole land there before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the, the left hand, thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. You want me to read verse ten too? Yeah. Okay. And Lot lifted up his eyes and, be, and beheld all the plain of Jordan, and it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor. So I think most of us know the story of, of Abraham and Lot and the decisions um, 
that they made. So they got so wealthy uh, between the two of them that their, their servants, the people that were um, watching their, their flocks, started to fight amongst each other. Abraham said, listen, this is going downhill quick. Let's separate. Lot, look around. You decide where you want to go first. Lot looks around, and he picks this incredibly fertile area, um, a delta near a river or beyond a river that was green and lush and uh, happened to have a city called Sodom that, that resided there. Why do you suppose Lot chose that? It's an obvious question, so give me some obvious answers. It looked nice. Wow. It looked really nice. What else? He's thinking long term, too, right? This strategy. He's not just looking now and saying, man, that looks nice. What's he thinking? Easy life. Why? Cool. Town's already there, right? City's there. Infrastructure is there. What else? He's thinking long term. What else is he thinking? City's going to grow. Population's going to increase. I can maybe make more money. I'm already wealthy and influential. Maybe I'll be able to change the city. So where were they living up to this point? How, uh, how nice was the area? Anybody know? It was like Kansas. Remember, they were fighting for wells. Just to put it in perspective, they, were, they, they had arguments over wells. So water was an issue. So when he looks at the nice... What does he see that's nice? He sees a river. And beside the river, you got next to the river. (laughs) Next to the river. In the river, we got water. Next to the river, what do we have? What's that? Vegetation, right? We got tall grass. We got trees. And what does Lot have? He's got cows. What do cows eat? Oh, you guys are good. You guys are good. We got a good group. Lot's looking, and it makes total sense. And God wants him to be happy, have a good life. And there's nothing wrong with what he's looking at, right? It makes total sense to say, hey, Abraham's giving me the first choice. I'm going where it makes sense. My cattle will have food. My shepherds aren't going to have shepherds, servants. I was trying to combine the two words. Uh, they're not going to have to work so hard. I'm going to be able to have more cows. I'm going to be able to make more money. Now we have Abraham, the second part of the story. So we have our other volunteer here who's going to read verses 14 to 18. I'll need your mic, Bob. Thank you. And the Lord said unto Abram, After that Lot was separated from him, Lift up now thine eyes, and look from the place where thou art northward, and southward, and eastward, and westward. For all the land which thou seest, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Arise, walk through the land in the length of it, and in the breadth of it, for I will give it unto thee. When Abram removed his tent, and came and dwelt in the plain of Mamre, which is in Hebron, and built there an altar unto the Lord." Excellent. So, take a guess how old Abraham is at this point. He's Abram. He's not even Abraham yet. How old do you think he is? hundred. Good. These guys read their Bibles and they're young. Um, hundred years old. I would have guessed maybe 50, maybe 40. He was 75 years old. So you think about your grandparents. You think they want to start a city on their own. You have your nephew with you. He looks, he sees the ground. He takes his part and you're like, where in the world am I going to go? And what's the first thing that he does? 
It doesn't say it straight out, but it's implied. Where does he turn? Does he ask his wife, honey, now you choose where you're going, and I'm going to go somewhere else? What's that? He asked God. He was talking with God. He wanted to know what to do, and he's like, I have no clue of the future. I know God took me and my dad and my nephew away from here, and now all of a sudden I'm in the middle of nowhere, and there's nothing good in sight. God must know where he's going to take me, because I obviously don't. And what does God tell him? Does God tell him something practical? Or you think something impractical? I need to hear people talk. It's just painful. So God tells him, you know what, Abraham? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you kids like you're, gonna, you're not going to be able to understand. He's 75 years old. I'm going to give you everything that you can see around you. Does that seem a little far-fetched? Would you believe God if God told you that? If God said, you know what, you're never going to have to worry in your whole life again. I'm going to set you up pretty. Would you believe God? You would have a hard time believing that, that God's going to do that. He had no kids at 75 years old, and God told him this. But you know what? What did he do? He said, you know, where else am I going to go? God knows my future. God knows where I need to go. And he knows the best place for me to go. So I'm going to go where he tells me to. And so he obeys him. And by being obedient to God, he worshipped God. And then he physically worshipped God too. The last verse, in case you didn't miss it, he built an altar to God. He said, you know what, God? I'm going to just plant this altar, and I'm going to put it in your hands, and you're going to take it from here, and I'm just going to stand back and be in awe. And that's what happened to Abraham. So real quick, which step, that lie, which step was the wrong step? That when, not, when we looked at the steps... And we talked about the choices the lot made. Which, which choice was the wrong one? <laughs> it's going to get really long if we wait. But. Okay, so you're thinking that first step. The first step was the wrong one when he decided to, to look with his own eyes. Okay? Does anybody, everybody agree with, with her? Or anybody think there's... I thought the third step was the wrong one. No? Teasing. <laughs> it's hard to pinpoint which step is the wrong one. Is it wrong to see a nice place and say, that's where I'm going to go? Is it wrong to say that makes sense? But, but he could have been, right? He might have saw, hey, these are wicked people. Maybe God can use me to witness to these people, right? And God's going to bless me, right? Even though I'm going to have a hard time with these bad people, God's going to pay me back by giving me a nice place to live. So the two points together are very strong. The, the fact that he didn't trust in God. He trusted with his own eyes. The second was that he, he didn't look at the long-term effects. And when you think about how often we do the same thing, it becomes critical to recognize that. How often are you thinking, I'll only be in there for five minutes? Right? He could have said five years. I, I can handle this for five years. I'll make a ton of money in five years, and I'll be out of there. Or maybe two years. Right? There's so many things that we try to kind of convince ourselves of when we're making these choices. Because we're not wrong. We're not going to make us... Okay, maybe other than a few occasional people, I've said this in my own church, how many of us intentionally make bad decisions? How many people like intentionally go out to make a bad choice? Anybody, raise your hand if you, if you like, typically just like to make a bad choice. Right. Not surprising. <laughs> so, but let, me, but let me ask you this. At the time, is it really the bad choice? 
In your mind, in your mind, at that moment, this is the better choice. When you look back, you're like, dude, that was really stupid. That was a bad choice. But at the moment, you're not trying to make a bad choice. You're trying to make a good choice. Maybe it's to impress somebody. Maybe it's to impress the girl or to impress the guy or to, to show off to your friends. And you're thinking it's the good choice. The point with Lot, which is interesting, is where does he end up? When we, when we fast forward and you think about Lot's life, all of us know it. Um, he's, he loses everything, including his wife. Really bad situation with his kids. Um, you can dig into that yourselves, um, uh, what happens with his kids. Um, what happens with his descendants? Anybody remember the sermon on Monday? They become enemies of Israel. They're the Moabites that we talked about. Soon after that battle and that story that we read on Monday, they disappear. They no longer exist. You cannot find the Moabites anywhere. Descendants of the Moabites don't exist. They disappear. Raise your hand. If your parents were the first people to convert to Christian faith, I don't see one person's hand up. Say if you're the second generation. If your parents are the second generation Christians, raise your hand. How about third generation? Okay, I see a couple more. How about fourth generation? That's me. If you're the fourth generation Christian or your parents are fourth generation Christians. Okay, come on, there's got to be more unless you guys know that your family history that well. How many think you're fifth generation Anybody else? So the choices that your great-great-great-grandparents made put you in these seats today. How many Mario's, where do you think Mario's kids are today? Where do you think his grandkids are today? Where are Lot's grandkids today? What about Abraham? What happened to his grandkids? They're alive and doing well. So the decisions that you make, they'll affect you, no problem. But long-term, right, everyone talks about the U.S. being in debt, why we're accumulating this debt for our great-great-grandchildren. You guys don't care. I'm just going to spend, put it on the credit card. When you take that sip of alcohol, when he took that sip of alcohol, when he went to Sodom and Gomorrah, you think he was thinking, I'm going to get tempted every day. I might have to drink a little bit more than I need to because this place is pretty depressing. My soul is going to be vexed every single day for the rest of my life living here. That was the choice he made. Now, Abraham made a choice too, and he saw long-term because he's like, I don't know the future, but I know God does. And I know God, when he's in control, he can yeah. do it all. I mean, that's mind-blowing when you, when you really, when you, I haven't thought about it much, but as we were preparing for this, the fact that the Moabites are gone and the Jewish people are still around to me, is mind-blowing. And you compare and look at what the promises that were given to Abraham and the lack of promise given to Lot because of the choices that he made and their consequence or the result eons later. Ali's choices. You guys remember the fictitious story that a lot of pieces of that were very different stories that actually did happen. Um, but yeah, that's pretty crazy to hear how her life ended up because of her parents' decisions, because of her grandparents' decisions. And you think about that, like my little son was just in here earlier. The decisions I make will affect that little boy's life forever. That's scary. The decisions that you make will impact you for sure. Right? Like, um, so I want to tell you a little bit about Mario. He's a true case. Um, someone that I know. And he had the perfect life. 
If you were to take his snapshot, you would think he had an amazing life. And then it disappeared in 30 years. And he's nowhere to be seen. And you just see a crippled family limping along. And it was, for those of you who thought it right, it was because he had an alcohol addiction. And how did his addiction start, probably? A casual sip here and there, social drinking. I mean, we have, let's see, people from Kitchener here who drink coffee. I know because I married into a family that loves coffee. Um, it starts off as a social drink. Give it to the kids. It's so cute. They like coffee, you know. And the next thing you know, these people are drinking it, getting headaches and everything else. Alcohol's no different. Hey, watch it. I drink coffee, too. <laughs> My bad. I don't drink coffee. I'm anti-coffee. Um, but it's, it sounds something silly, right? You think alcohol's any different? You think taking drugs or smoking is any different? All my friends that I ask, how did you start? Well, my buddies did it, so I just did it. And they could have changed. They could have made a choice to get out, and they chose not to because it was just too much for them. Now, Luigi, on the other hand, that hits a little bit closer to home. Um, Luigi's my story. So 15 years ago... I was 21 years old. I graduated high school. People told me I was dumb my whole life. I was just a dumb mechanic who worked on cars. But I was Serbian, so it made up for it. Um, <laughs> so I didn't know what to do. I worked at a job, working in an environment where these guys could care less about their wives, drank, smoked pot, you name it, they did it. And... I was in a situation, actually, a little before that, where I was invited to a rave. And if you've ever heard that word before, stay away. Uh, a rave is basically a party with techno music. And, and I got into that. I loved music. I loved cars. You name it. And I had some friends from school who were cool, and they said, why don't you come to a rave? And I'm like, you know what? This is my chance for stardom. I could never date. I could never go to dances. I couldn't even have birthday parties. I'm going to hit the good life now. The rave started at 12 o'clock at night, so I fostered a good, good story for my parents. The next thing you know, I show up to this rave in the parking lot, and God's telling me, you can't go in there. What happens if you walk through those doors and you like it? How are you going to get out of there? Say someone slips you something in your drink. Next thing you know, you have a girl who's pregnant. Your life is now messed up, and you affect not only yourself, but future generations. That was my first step, was God took me through that. The second one was my work environment. I worked with a bunch of people who just did not appreciate God, and I wasn't a Christian. Someone once called me out and said, Adrian, you don't swear, you don't drink, you don't party. Why aren't you a Christian? I said, you know what, I don't know why. But I did pray to God to give me a new job, and he gave me a new job that made less money. And I said, you know what, though? God gave me this job, and he's going to bless it. That was my second choice, to get out of the situation I was in. My third choice was September 11th. For those of you who don't know, when the World Trade Centers were, were flown into, that was the day God woke me up and said, you've been living too long without me. What are you going to do about it? And I remember sitting at my bed thinking, I'm not going to live till tomorrow. And I gave my life to God. That was my third choice. My fourth one, good thing my wife left, I proposed to my wife twice. There's a lot of two-timers, so don't get discouraged. 
when I became a Christian, I spent three years thinking, God, who do you have for me? Who do you have for me? I've got to talk to these girls. I've got to talk to those girls. I've got to be cool. And then I came on my knees and said, God, I just want a girl who loves you. Looks are bonus. Those will come, but I want a girl who loves you. And he showed me my wife, even though I liked some other girl. He said, this is the girl you're going to marry. And I'm like, woohoo. Talked to the elders. My mom didn't like it. I was still in school. And sure enough, I got a big fat no. And God's like, you've been a Christian for three years and you don't even know me. You've been chasing around looking for a girl the whole time. You think you're going to know what love is? You don't even know how to love me. She's not going to give you anything that I can't give you. And I was glad she said no. I was still in school. We would have had to live with my parents. Bad idea. Um... But then God made me realize something. I had to eventually come to a point where I said, God, I'm not serving you because I want things. It's not because I want to get an education or a good job or a good wife. I want to serve you because I love you. And I said, God, if you want me to remain single the rest of my life, then I'm all for it. And I proposed a second time, and she had doubts. And I was like, you know what, God, if she doesn't want to get married... If she says yes, I'm going to tell her no back. Forget this. I want her to see and you to see that I love you more than her. Well, God had other plans and we're married now. And he gave me our twins as proof that you must suffer with good cheer. Anyways, the last point of Luigi's story that's still a work in the making is becoming a minister. I became a minister at our church when I was 30 years old. We had just... We're blessed with our daughter Talia, who was going to have massive brain surgery in six months because of a birth defect, and I was called into the ministry, and I'm like, I don't think I can do this. I got a family, and God's like, what are your motives? Why don't you want to join the ministry? You're the youngest. You might be terrified to go up there. You might not know your Bible, but if you do it for me, I'll bless you. Through all my choices, there was motive behind there, and there was always a way out. If my motives are pure, God will bless it. Lot's motives were not pure. He looked at himself. But Abraham's motives were pure. He wanted to do what God wanted him to do. And he was blessed for it. And so were his children, and I pray that my children are one day. And I'm going to face tough decisions, some things that are intentional, some are that are not, some are poor choices maybe that I'm still suffering consequences for. But in the end, God will bless me if I trust in him. So we started with fun activity, some noise, get you up out of your seats, come up with five steps uh, that get somebody from point A to point B. How many of you know somebody who's on the wrong road? How many of you know somebody who's on the wrong road? Like when you look at them, they're like, dude, they're potentially going to go down in flames. We all know somebody that's like that. In some cases, it's us. Um, in some cases, it's, it's a friend or it's somebody who used to be a friend. Why do people not get off that road? When you think about your friend or you think about who you know that you're saying they're on the wrong path, why do they not get off? In some cases, they want to have fun. They don't see that they're on the wrong path. How many of you have ever been on the wrong path before? Okay, so we've got some hands of people that recognize they've been on the wrong path. Um, why didn't you get off? Or what made you, before we talk about what made you get off, at some point, you realized you were on the wrong path, but maybe you didn't get off. Why not? Okay, don't want to admit it. There's some pride involved that 
I'm, I'm better than being on this road, so I don't let anybody know. A little nervous? You're scared? Feeling a little awkward about your situation? Hands over on this side? Didn't care. Okay, good. So sin was comfortable at that time. Same thing. There's comfort in it. You know, when we get past that comfort stage, like sin is comfortable or I don't care, at some point you realize, I think I would say every one of us, at some point realizes that we're on the wrong road and we wish we weren't there. Now, you might wish it for a split second, and then you've got to ask yourself, why am I not changing? And who said it, right? It's here, I'm not comfortable. I'm uncomfortable. Um, so I, what I'm saying, what you're going through, I've gone through. Other people have gone through. Adrian's gone through it. You look at the consequences of getting off the path, and they scare you to death, don't they? Like, I'm looking at really bad stuff on the computer, or I have a relationship on online or texting with somebody that my mom is going to kill me if she finds out. And to get off the path, I have to admit it. Right? I have to admit it. And I'm scared to death. Isn't that the case? When push comes to shove, to get off the path, I know I'm down the wrong path or I've got a buddy that's on the wrong path. I'm afraid. I'm scared. I'm freaked out about the consequences. There's pride built in. People are looking at me. I, I dress well. I might be a minister. Okay, maybe not you guys yet, right? But even people like Adrian and me, we go through it too. People are looking at us. They, they expect better of us. I'm supposed to be a good example. Mom and dad are telling me, don't embarrass me. So I'm trying not to embarrass them. So if I acknowledge it, that I've got a problem, that pride issue is there. The, the big thing, I've, I've had I've talked to young people about this, talked to some older people about this, is to recognize that the consequences now stink. To get off that path, to acknowledge uh, to my mom and dad that I'm, that I'm an embarrassment, that I'm, I'm a mess, to acknowledge that, that I've got issues, to break off a relationship um, that might hurt somebody, to, to bail on my friends that have been with me, all of that stinks. Every one of those stink. And they hurt, and they make us afraid because the consequences stink. But what I want to point out is that the consequences further on down the line, if you stay on the road you're at, just get worse. And so Satan is working so hard. He is working so hard in your minds, in my mind, in Adrian's mind, to not make you think about the long term. If he focuses your attention on today, on tomorrow, and on the fact that it's going to stink to make this change, He's got us. We need to look beyond today and recognize that the challenges just get bigger. The consequences just get worse. Eventually, some of us hit rock bottom. It, for some people, rock bottom is committing suicide. For other people, it's the attempt. And some of us are blessed enough that when we hit rock bottom, we have a safety net and we can turn back to the Lord. So, you're all on a, on a path. All of us are on a journey. All of us are marching down a, a path. It's never too late to get off. I want to I say that first and foremost. No matter where you're at in life, it's never too late to get off that path. You've got to have the courage to do so, though. And it's easier before you get really far down that path. If you look at Lot, 
What was hard for him? By the time it was time to leave, his family had married. He had daughters and sons-in-law that were in Sodom. He had relationships in Sodom. He was ingrained. It would have been a lot easier to leave before he had all those relationships, before he had the house, before he had son-in-laws that were from Sodom. And by the time he left and was saved, everybody else died. And I, I don't want that for you. So I want to encourage you to recognize that you can get off the path, turn to the Lord, and seek him. Just surrender. He'll, it's scary. It freaks you out. freaks me out. Probably doesn't freak Adrian out because he likes lack of control. <laughs> um, but just surrendering and letting God lead you to the next step is the perfect answer. I'd love if we had time for me to share my testimony too. Um, I share it with people at work. I had somebody at work. You know, you can, if you want to hear it, come find me. I'll sit down with you and share it. And um, what's, what's scary is when we were, we were put together at random, and our stories follow very similar paths, but I think the, the two biggest things were he only proposed once, loser. Um, <laughs> He had a list of 50 girls. I had a list of 10. I think those were the only two biggest differences between us. But the same similarities that kept coming up over and over was I was terrified. I had no clue what to do, and I asked God, and he showed me. And then I had no regrets. You know, we were young and dumb. Um, the Lord protected us from ourselves. There were so many times, and it's a common theme, that... Uh, that I could have gotten myself into so much trouble. And I look back, and I'm like, dude, you are, that was so stupid. <laughs> I can't believe I did that. Um, and I was protected even in spite of myself, just like Jehoshaphat was protected even in spite of himself. Um, the goal is to not even put yourself in that situation. The, the choice is going to be yours. God is always going to give you the choice. The choice is yours, but he has a way out. And so for each of us, it's, 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 we have to do this, right? We're marching along. The dominoes are falling behind us. And at some point, we've got to step sideways and get off the path. Let the train keep rolling without you. Just get off that path that's, that's headed towards a dead end and destruction. And let it keep going and just step off. Uh, let's close with a prayer. Our wonderful God in heaven, we, we can't thank you enough that we're here today and that we all have a choice to make. And you made us special in that way that we can choose to follow you, we can choose to listen to you, and you've given us all the tools, your holy word, and most of all, Jesus. You pulled out all the bar barriers, Heavenly Father, but the question remains at us, what are we going to do? Where are we going to go, and how do we get there? We pray for everyone here. There are so many prayers that go out for the souls here, Heavenly Father, and we know that even if we pray till our dying death, that Thou would bless our prayers, that they would make the right choices. And if they would make a poor choice, that they would look back and learn from it and keep on going, looking for You, Heavenly Father. We pray that in the distance they would see the cross and realize that the goal is to be forever with you and to experience you here. We all have different stories, and yet they're all so similar. And we all know the answer. May we put our trust and faith in thee, just like Abraham did. That when our grandchildren and our children's children's children look back, 
they'd be thankful for the great-great-grandparents that they had who chose to follow you and worship you in truth. Bless everyone here. We pray that they would realize that they're loved by not only us here, but by thee, the creator. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.